So the very first conversation I had with Triple H, and he asked me, what do you want to do? <laughs> and I told him, can I bring back the LWO? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character. I am your host, Ryan Satin, once again here to provide you a deeper look into the mind of a WWE superstar. This week on the show, we got Santos Escobar from the LWO, formerly Legado Del Fantasma, but now we got him here. We got him talking about all the stuff you guys want to hear, but the real reason I'm excited to have him on the show this week is because out of everybody that we've had on Out of Character, this man provides a different look at the wrestling industry from another country. And I'm really excited about that because he talks about a lot of cool stuff. I really think that you guys are going to enjoy this. So enough with me, enough with me hyping this up, enough with me rambling. Let's get to my conversation with the LWO's Santos Escobar. What's up, dude? Welcome to the show. I appreciate you being here very much. I do, my hermano. Thank you so much for the opportunity to have this one-on-one -on -one and Thank communicate with the WWE Universe. Thank you for doing this. I am very excited to have you here. Uh, I think that anytime I can get someone on the show who not only has been in the business as long as you have, but also has a different perspective on the business because I don't think a lot of the people that I've had on this show uh, grew up in a Lucha Libre family, you know, did Lucha Libre as, as uh, in the ways that you did. And so I'm really excited uh, to get into all of that. I love your background here. I always like when someone's got a good background behind them. Uh, but first, I want to start off asking you what I ask everyone else at the top of the show. And that's how much of your real true self is there in the character that you play on TV? Well, first of all, thank you so much again for the opportunity. And I have to admit and confess that I was jealous. I wanted to be on the show so bad. <laughs> for a while uh, just because it gives you the opportunity to see a little more of who the characters are and who the human being uh, starts you know so uh, I'm very happy to be here and regarding the character question uh, I'm an actor as, as, as well as a wrestler as a luchador so it is very important that you submerge yourself and become the character but I've, I also have noticed that the more you you put in the character, the better it projects with the audience. And Santos Escobar has got uh, a huge chunk of Jorge Luis Alcantarboli. And I think it's probably why it works, because uh, it's very real. Real hasta la muerte, like the other people say, you know? Well, I'm going to go into that, but to answer what you were saying before, I've been wanting to have you on the show as well. Uh, during WrestleMania weekend, uh, I think actually, you know, your stablemates just kind of beat you to the request a little bit because Zelina had already asked me in advance, like, hey, I want to come on and talk about the Street Fighter stuff. So I was like, cool. And then Joaquin and I, uh, we go back a little bit. So I told him, like, I want to get you on the show because you don't get to talk as much on TV. I want to get you on the show. And he was like, that'd be fantastic so then i only had i could only pick two out of three and i was like oh man i've already told two out of three that i would do the show with them so that's why it took us a little longer that's why it's post wrestlemania it took a little longer but now honestly i'm glad that we waited this long because i think it's better yeah yeah it's better that all this lwo stuff has happened the bad bunny stuff just so many things have gone down and i'm excited to talk about it but first 
back into your real personality. Um, you know, when I watched you before and I see you now, uh, you know, post taking off your mask on WWE TV, it definitely seems much more like you on WWE TV. It must be nice to kind of, after having such a long history and a long career of wearing a mask, it must be nice to kind of show more of yourself now on TV. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in Mexico, um, it's a very different animal, it's a very different business. And it took me, um, let's just say, 18 years to get to the top in Mexico. But it was always my dream to be a part of the WWE universe. And I actually had a tryout in 2000. I, th- I believe it was, it was probably 2010, 2011. Uh, for whatever reason, I wasn't signed. And I guess at that point, I had the, I was at a crossroads where I could keep trying and trying and trying to do this tryout and pursue this or become big in Mexico. And uh, I chose to, to, to do the latter. And I kept doing my thing in Mexico. And eventually, I felt like um, I had reached a top. Uh, main eventing uh, Triple Mania, which is the biggest show in the country, uh, sort of put me in a position where I felt like uh, I needed to grow even more beyond uh, the Mexican Lucha Libre scene. And that's why, you know, things unravel the way they unravel. And I ended up becoming a part of the WWE family. Um, so, well, there you have it. Well, we were talking before too. You were telling you were telling me how the support of your parents was crucial in you getting there as well, because they always believed in you. and And I really do think that it's important for parents to to have that support in their children, because it really does uh, instill a level of confidence in them that shows that they can accomplish anything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just thinking about um, now that I'm a parent and how I talk to my kids my son and my daughter, and we were just discussing how my son is very, uh, he likes to eat my lunch and he's very outgoing and he loves the business and he loves, you know, he's, he's got no, he's not embarrassed to go on camera and, and say whatever. So I remember my mom always talking to me in a certain way where she would always tell me, you are the best. You're the number one. You will be the biggest wrestler or whatever it is that you pick to do. You will be the biggest in the world. You will be the number one. You will always excel. Uh, and and sometimes I wouldn't even believe it, you know. But it was just there, always constant, constant, constant. And it sort of helped me create or generate this drive and go through all the obstacles I've gone through. Now I'm a parent, and I choose to talk to my kids like that. I empower them because I believe that's a big part of my success, be or small or whatever, but a big part of what I have right now is because of that, that education and those seeds that my parents planted on me early on. Well, this explains why you just bought your parents a house, why you bought your mom a house. It all (laughs) comes full circle. I mean, that's so cool. It must have felt really nice to be able to give that back to your mom that way. Yeah, I mean, and I I posted it. It, It's one of those things that you want to phrase and word properly but it's hard to encapsulate the feelings. But one of the most beautiful, beautiful experiences or feelings that you can have in life is the ability to take care or give back to those 
that gave you everything that made you. I wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for them. And I remember early on, I would always tell my mom, uh, I will take you on a cruise. I will take you to New York, uh, to Rockefeller Center and, and Christmas. Uh, and one of these days, I'm going to buy you a house. Uh, and, but those are things that, that we say. We all say that because uh, we love our moms and, and we see all the sacrifice and all what they do for us. They take they care of they take care of us and especially in my case my dad was always away, uh, you know uh, the tours back then was three months four months in this territory uh, four and a half months in the U S and then go to South Africa and then go to Japan and all that and I remember just bits and pieces of this wonderful beautiful moments with with my dad, but mostly it was my mom, day to day, day to day, educating me, telling me what to do. And to finally have the opportunity of, of share, sharing, sharing some of what I got with them, uh, it's just, it just made an incredible change in my heart and my life. Uh, and I'm still high on, on, on that note. Shout out to the moms who sacrifice. Got to give credit to all those moms and dads too. But shout out to the moms that are doing it day in and day out. You got to give them their props. Uh, did you surprise them with the house or were they in on it the whole time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was hell. It was hell. Trust me, because uh, I've been harboring this in my heart since November when they started building the house. So can you imagine having them over for the holidays and then they went back to Mexico? The house wasn't ready. Then thinking to myself, maybe I, I maybe I'll make it to WrestleMania. Maybe I'll be involved in the show somehow. We get to WrestleMania, the house wasn't ready. <laughs> so, so what we did was we went to Vegas for a few days because my plan was to go to WrestleMania and then come back to their house, but it wasn't ready. So we chose to go to Vegas. Then they flew back to Mexico again, and I'm thinking just to myself now, how am I going to bring them back? Because there's really there's really nothing around these dates, you know, and I can snatch my mom from the rest of my sisters, you know, on, on Mother's Day. So I was like, okay, so here it goes. I, I told them, listen to this. I knew I was doing your interview. So what I told them was, I have an interview right now and you guys have to come with me. Um, and my mom was like, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not dressed. I'm not properly dressed. We're not going. I'm like, no, 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 mom. It's okay. You can come. Uh, you guys you guys just stay out of frame. I'll do my thing and we'll get on to this. And then when we get there, they realize like oh, this is a house. I'm like, yeah, yeah, because it's a different kind of show. It's a podcast. So let's just do it. Don't worry about it. They do podcasts everywhere. So then we got there and my dad's like, Maybe I should put on my mask. I'm like, No, 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 no. It's just keep it keep it cash. Keep it cashful. And then when we got there, my wife was there and then my kids. Uh, and then, then they just realized that something was going on. So when we go to open the door, I just reach into my pocket and take out the key and just give it to my mom. And uh, I told her, this is your house. You should open it. And she, she wouldn't believe it. She was like, maybe she was in shock, I think. What? Yeah, this is, this is Joe's house. This is, I got this for you, so... So you wouldn't have to think about coming and staying in my house. Now you'll have your own house and you can come and go as you please. 
and you know we all start crying and and thinking you know thinking about memories because I know it's just a house, but you know the symbol of it, the the concept of it, brings back so so many huge and beautiful memories of of the three of us. Let's just let's just I know it is it's a thing, a family thing, but it brings memories between my mom, my dad, and myself. You know now the three amigos because now we're adults, but I'm their adult. They made me, but we can discuss this as friends and and just think and be grateful that we had this together. It's not me giving them something. It's it's all of us reaching something, achieving something, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, of course. Absolutely. I can only imagine how that must have felt. And I can't you must have laughed when I responded to your tweet about it, since I I had no idea you helped use me as an excuse in there. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I remember about the Luis Miguel tickets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's so funny, dude. What do you know? <laughs> also, OK, wait, I wanted to know something there. OK, you talked about it and. For me, it's one of my favorite lucha things that. Oh, oh let me just say oh, one yeah. more thing. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, regarding the house, I told them the day before, bring a lot of clothes, bring clothes, bring shoes, bring suits, bring dresses, bring everything, so you don't have to worry about where you put them. So my mom, she confessed later that she thought I was going to take her to Europe or Hawaii or someplace like that. <laughs> go figure. I like that your mom could tell something was up, though. She knew yeah, something she knew. was going on. Yeah, she, moms always know when you're acting a little weird, you know? <laughs> you, it's hard to lie to yeah. mom. It's hard to lie to a mom, dude. It's hard to lie to your mom. But guess what? I told her about your tweet regarding the Luis Miguel tickets. <laughs> guess what? What? Now we're going to Luis Miguel. Shut concert. up, really? <laughs> yeah, because of you. <laughs> Oh my god! I can't wait to tell my mom that, dude. That's amazing. Yeah, those tickets were, I, they was those were expensive tickets for that guy. Oh yes, Luis Miguel is Luis Miguel. I was and like, so man, this is as much as like a two day festival that I would go to, but <laughs> but it was worth it. My mom was very excited, just like your mom with the house. Uh, congratulations on that, and I hope you enjoy the Thank show. You so That's going to be awesome. The the Luis Miguel show. Okay, question. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is <laughs> one of my like favorite aesthetics is luchadors wearing like their mask out in public all the time like in a in a nice suit and still wearing the different mask to go with it and you mentioned your dad and he was like should i put the mask on or leave it off how how often was your dad wearing his mask like out in public when you guys would go out places all the time oh like all the time uh yeah even wwe they don't know him without the mask they haven't seen him what about like when you were growing up though and you were just like, I don't know, like going to a restaurant or he was coming to see you at school and a, a something at a sport or something? It was sort of, it was weird because it's not quote unquote normal, you know, to have this circumstances where you, I used to drive along with him everywhere, to the shows, to the interviews, uh, photo shoots and whatnot, uh, TV shows, movies and all that. And we would be driving normally casually in the car and then maybe like a block before we arrived to the venue mask and he was i was just so impressed by it because mind you a kid doesn't know the difference between superman batman or your dad when they put on masks like it's a superhero they're superheroes too he's one too so that's what i thought back then but then i realized it's a tradition the tradition of guarding the lucha libre 
uh, uh, image and how you have to portray your character. And it's, it's a lot of character development uh, without calling it character development. Like you have to always portray yourself as a superstar and you have to always dress like a superstar and you always have to present that image. And, and it is a tradition, but, but, but it's also, uh, you and I would call it uh, a huge character development. I, a superhero thing nails it, though. I've always looked at it that way, and I think it's because maybe I didn't read comic books growing up, and I liked Mexican wrestling because my like my grandparents would have it on or whatever, and like or just in general, I'd see it, and they always seemed like superheroes to me. And I think that that's why when you see the pictures of them at like a steakhouse and they're all like in a suit that's matching their mask or whatever, it looks like a meeting of a bunch of superheroes that you could only see in a comic book because it's all these masked characters out in the world protecting their identity. And it's really like the only thing that's like that in the real world that, that people protected identities that do superhero like things. Uh, I can agree more with you. It is. Uh, the very myth- mythology of the the luchador in Mexico is that you know it's it's like a warrior that has that covers his face uh, and and fights. Un verdadero guerrero. I have one right there. Hell yeah. Uh, so, uh, everyone, like everyone asks me how difficult it was to to transition from Mexican lucha libre to the WWE universe. In reality. Mexican Lucha Libre has got a lot of what you need. A lot of the boxes that you have to check to become a WWE superstar. As a Mexican luchador, you already do it. You know, the character development, telling a story, uh, you know, how you portray and who you present a product. It's a lot of what we do. Um, just, you know, some people call it different industries or different worlds, different psychology or whatever. But in my mind, it wasn't hard because I already knew how to present myself, for example. I think someone like you too, or other you know people who've worn masks throughout their careers to, and gotten to the top wearing a mask, I think that because depending on the mask you wear, you see so little of someone's face, maybe just like a piece of their mouth or their eyes, you nail those expressions down even more to where you've got it so down with just your eyes and just your mouth that when you have your whole face to, to, to work with, I think that you see how much work they were doing behind the mask to, to present whatever emotion they want to tell. Exactly. I think I agree with you. And I, and I wore the mask for uh, those uh, 18 years. And at first it was very difficult. It was very difficult just to perform. I couldn't breathe because I felt like I had hands over my face, you know, uh, covering my, my nostrils, covering my mouth. But then uh, it sort of became my second atmosphere in the ring wearing my mask and and then i started doing you know digging down and getting the expressions uh, portraying properly what i was feeling to the audience and it just sort of became a challenge back then but then as you mentioned when i take my mask off it was all there it was all there times 10. so uh, i think mexican lucha libre is the best <laughs> yeah, it it really is. It absolutely is. And I, and I, and you know, when you look through your cage match or whatever you want to look at, when you look through your history of wrestling uh and all your opponents and stuff, you know, you really have wrestled almost or been on the same side as like almost every lucha legend that you can think of. 
Yes, that is true. And I, think, and I can imagine that, you know, since you've been wrestling for so long, you started in the year 2000 as a teenager. Um, I think that because you've been wrestling so long, I imagine you learned so much from those people over the years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember my dad was very, very tough on me in the ring. And sometimes, uh, you know, people would take pity on me, like um, Kanek or Los Caras uh, or Atlantis, Negro Casas, Shocker. They would just come in the ring and say, oh, sir, sir, just let us, uh, we'll teach him, we'll teach him. Because he was very tough on me. And and that sort of uh, experiences helped me get over with, with the legends. <laughs> and when I finally had the opportunity to work with them, it was just a learning process that it was never ending. You know, having on one side, Mil Mascaras, having on the other side, Rayo de Jalisco, um, having in my corner, Conan, teaching me all those years. It was just... Um, it, it was a hell of a ride in the Mexican Lucha Libre scene that, that prepared me to what I'm doing now. Did you always want to be a wrestler? Is that from, because you were, you know, you saw your dad, you were around your dad so much. Did you, cause you, and you started so young. Was that always the goal in your mind? Always. And then here's the thing. I think, uh, they wanted me to not want it. They sort of planted that idea on me always. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, you love this, but but you're going to do something else. Like, uh, I studied international relations, relationships and, and relations uh, um, in a, a very good university in Mexico. And, uh, and I graduated from that. And I could have chose the, the path of becoming an ambassador or working in the international service for Mexico or try full throttle Lucha Libre. And that's when I just decided, and I knew, I always knew this is what I wanted to do because this is what I saw all my life. And this is what I wanted all my life. You know, uh, I would always, I remember this very vividly. I would arrive to the arenas with my dad and I would follow him and just walk behind him before he got into the arena. And in Mexico, there's a huge tradition of everyone. If you're a popular wrestler, kids will swarm around you and ask for an autograph. Or a photo, and I would just be there, and I would even tell the other kids, "Hey, he's my dad," uh, or or you know, other fans, "He's my dad," and they would even uh, you know buy me a soda or something during the the show. But that's what I would do all the time. I, I, I admired that, and when the time came, it was an easy decision. Is that why? Okay, so then, because initially you weren't you weren't revealed as being the son of Phantasma originally. Is that why? you kind of like had a different name first for a while just to kind of your parents want to make sure that like you were actually going to do this before revealing he was your dad no ryan my dad wouldn't give me his name oh is it okay so close <laughs> enough, okay even even more intense than i thought okay that makes sense hey wow Jeez. mexican tradition dictates that the name and the mask shall be inherited by your son can you imagine how I felt when he didn't do so? And he actually gave his name to someone else. <laughs> so that, my friend, that broke my heart back then. And I remember I disliked my dad for a very long time. But guess what? That made me want it even more. And so I, I went and trained with other people so that he would know how I was developing this ability and how I was growing. And then eventually he saw me and my first name 
stage name was Top Secret. That was my name, which was actually the name he was going to work. That that was that was going to be his name when he first started in the business. He never got to use it. So when the time came for me to start trying, you know, having this small matches in the street, in the swap meets, in the markets, you know, and just having these small matches, I just grabbed that that gear and that mask. And um, when he eventually he saw me, it was like two, three years, two two years after that, he saw me uh, in La Arena Coliseo, which is a, an important arena in Mexico City, uh, traditional arena. And that's when he decided that I was ready for it. Uh, but by then I wasn't angry. I wanted it. So <laughs> uh, that's when I became El Hijo del Fantasma. Yeah, I, God, I, it's not wrestling, but I can relate with that so much when you want that so bad, that approval from your dad, and they're, like, not ready to give it to you yet. And you're like, what the hell, man? What's going on here? But it does light a fire underneath you to succeed. Exactly. It's like, uh, you know, the different worlds, but it's like that show, Succession, <laughs> where everyone's fighting. <laughs> Do you watch Succession? Uh, Oh yeah, I did. I watched it all. How, all you it. saw? You finished it? Finished it. All right. Yes. I'm, spoiler warning: If you're watching this and you haven't watched and you haven't finished the finale, this is your spoiler warning. Anyone in the booth? Jeremy, you you've caught up. Okay, good. Uh, I'm making Over sure my years. camera guys. Been... <laughs> oh no, my producer saying she hasn't caught up yet. Oh no. <sighs> can you mute? Okay. Wait. Can you mute it? Walk out of the room for a second, Raya. She's walking out of the room. I'm giving her tw 10 seconds. Everyone can understand who's watching this. Uh, okay, that's her time. Uh, <laughs> were you expecting Tom to be the one that took over at the end? I sort of felt that he could, you know, slide in last minute, cash in the money in the bank <laughs> suitcase. Uh, but no, you know, as, as, the final, as the finale progressed, in the final minutes, I, I thought, okay, they finally understood what you know, what this was all about, why their dad was like that, because he wanted to ignite that in them, and maybe because the way he was, maybe he didn't even he hadn't even decided, or maybe he thought it was going to be eternal, and he was just playing with them. But in the end, I thought, well, they finally understood. They have to work together to make this grow, and then the true nature, the true colors of of of, of who you are, and and, and and going back to what we were saying, how how you're educated, they were educated to to thrive and be the number one in a situation where they couldn't be number one because they're they're between siblings, you know, amongst siblings, and so uh, it just it's one of those shows that you really enjoy uh, because it, there's a lot of truth to it, you know, you, you can relate to it. You can you can you can definitely relate to one of the siblings. Like I'm sure you related to Kendall. <laughs> oh, yeah. I related to Kendall too while watching it. And I think it does go back to what you were saying earlier that if their dad had just been a little more supportive or their mom had been a little more supportive of their dreams, they might not have ended up in this situation. But but guess what? You know, at the very end when Roman is sitting on the desk and it's all said and done and she's gone and she already voted. Uh, we'll find out later that she already voted. And he's sitting, it's like, stop, stop. We're nothing. We're BS. What I translate is, like, we, we failed. We're not, we're not good brothers, brothers and sisters. We're not good. We just let it go. 
is not for us. And that, that's, that's it. At that point, from that point on, I was ready to know, all right, who's going to get the kingdom? Yes. Is it Greg? Is it Tom? I thought and it was going to be Greg. I thought Greg was going to sneak in. The, that was my vote the whole time. Me too. Me too. <laughs> All right. Let Rand yeah. know. Let Rand know she can come back in. We won't spoil any more succession for her. Uh, if you're listening now, we're back to the wrestling talk. I, I apologize. I just I've I've been thinking about it all week. So when I heard the word succession, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm ready to talk about this with someone. Uh, now I okay. So I first really became aware of you through watching Lucha Underground. Um, do you think that played a part in you getting more opportunities in America? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, that was a, uh, a very important part of my life and my career because uh, this character, and again, going back to how much of, of you is in the character and how much of the character is there, uh, this was a character that we had to develop, you know, King Cuerno, the hunter. Um, and uh, it helped me develop and grow my abilities, my talent, my tools for our industry, for our business. And it also helped uh, the United States of America and why not the WWE Universe also learn who's this guy, where's, where's he coming from, um, and, and create and generate this sort of questions about uh, – my work, and then afterwards, when I had the opportunity to, to come back and do other promotions, that, that helped even better, you know? So then how did WWE and NXT eventually enter the picture? I guess uh, a person that, from the moment I met this person, uh, he was always uh, on my side, and he was always uh, very supportive, was uh, uh, Regal, Stephen Regal. Uh, when I did my tryout, he was very high on me and he told me uh, that he liked my style and that there was a high probability that I would be higher. It didn't happen, but uh, he told me, let's just stay in touch and we can revisit this down the line. Um, when the time came and uh, I terminated my relationship with AAA and Lucha Underground, I thought to myself, there's two places where I haven't been full-time and one of them is wwe and the other one is probably japan so uh right before anything when this whole thing happened there was this buzz in social media that i was going to become a a free agent and so i just sort of reached out and that was it i i didn't even reach out to japan that was it uh on the very first contact I was offered uh, to come to NXT, and I took it. I always wanted to That's awesome. It. So you didn't even have to do another tryout again? You just reached out, and they were like, we want you? Correct. That's how it happened. See, I think that when it goes back to that initial tryout, and you were at that crossroads, you know, I think ultimately it shows you made the right decision, because then when you came, yeah. when you came reaching back out, you didn't even have to do a tryout that time. Yeah, and, and from that point, point from that moment on my life changed everything that i thought i was working for in mexico now had a different ending now i had a different goal and the goal was to come here and, and make it but the thing is once you come to wwe you start over like it's it's not like uh, i was main eventing triple mania this year i should main event wrestlemania the next year 
that's not how it works. Like you have to, you have to come and 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 forget of all all this accolades and forget about all these things that you have achieved in your life, and just put on your working hat and work, 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 and learn. And I I was blessed because I had the opportunity to work with people like Terry Taylor, Norman Smiley, Fit Finlay, Steve Corino, you know all the, the Matt Bloom, Shawn Michaels. Triple H, Road Dog, the Armstrongs, you know. So it's it's like it's been really so exciting and and a very a wonderful, magnificent experience because I've learned so much about this business and and about how to do it and and all the the question marks I had before coming, it was all sorted out and and that time I spent on NXT made me into an, a whole different performer. And I'm thankful for that time. Well, and I think that also, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of your time in NXT was during the pandemic too, right? Yes, sir. So it was. Did you when have I any first... time? Yeah, your first, you was already, right? Your first one was during the pandemic. Yeah, my first match was on, I think, I believe it must have been around March 13, something like that. And then the next week, but everything was closed. <laughs> Oh, so, uh, not not a not a very good luck, right? On on my debut. Well, not but... there, but at least your luck on the main roster in your debut going forward has been good there. Because I think that yeah, you know, Legato was already you know doing their thing in NXT. Unfortunately, so much of it was during the pandemic. But then you got brought up to the main roster. You guys are doing your thing there, and then. For... But, but guess what? Guess what? Yeah. And, and here's a, an, an important thing, right? I learned a lot during the pandemic. I was used to working uh, 3,000 people plus venues. At least, the the very least was 3,000 people in the small shows in Mexico. And and, and of course, 10,000 here, 16,000 are in Ciudad de Mexico. Uh, So I was used to to big crowds. And then on the pandemic, you have to wrestle on an empty set. Silence. It was a shocker to me because uh, because you have to bring the emotion, you have to bring the stamina, you have to bring the performance with no stimuli. No one's telling you if you're doing it right, if you're doing, no one's yaying or booing. Uh, no one's telling you this is awesome. Uh, you're wondering if this is indeed awesome. Uh, and, and But that helps you, you know, develop that ability. Well, I think because for guys like you and and everyone, for some for people who have been veterans of the business when they when they were in the pandemic, I think that you guys are trained to feed off the crowd, feed off of those things that you all just mentioned, and I think that sometimes you can forget that like there's also the camera there that you're playing to with millions of people watching too, and I think that the pandemic really challenged a lot of veterans to rethink the way they look at wrestling and and how can I make it better for the people on TV and I think that that's why coming out of the pandemic we've had these awesome you know cr- you know revivals for people because they reshaped how they had to think about wrestling in the pandemic and it really did help wrestling for the better I yeah I I am I'm thankful for this period of time in my life because it helped me understand how to perform in a WWE ring because I was used to performing for the audience, uh, but the audience is here. 
my audience is not just here in the venue, but back there at home. Yep. Uh, so this period of time helped me understand how I, I have to talk to you, how I have to look at you, how I have to perform for you. Um, and like you say, uh, coming out of this period, great matches, great shows. Why? Because now we're used to it. Yep. Performing for you. Precisely. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, it shows with all the wrestlers on TV who really took that time to kind of refocus how they want to do things. Um, and I think that, you know, with you guys on the main roster now, I was loving seeing Legato there. But I think I'm someone, and I know a lot of people for so long had been wanting to see a new LWO on WWE TV. So what was your reaction when you found out Legato was going to kind of be transformed into the new LWO? That was something I wanted since day one. So here's the thing. And I've always thought that as a minority, we have to stay together somehow to present who we are, where we come from, and what we're about. If we present those three, every time we go out there, eventually everyone will know what Lucha Libre is, who I am, where I come from, and all these rules and regulations and traditions that Lucha Libre has. So the very first conversation I had with Triple H, and he asked me, what do you want to do? <laughs> and I told him, can I bring back the LWO? And before I said the letter O, he said, no. Uh, I want you to be you, and I want people to see you and not think of anybody else. I want you to think of something. You want a group? We can do a group. But write something down, think about it, give it to me, and we'll see. Uh, so that kind of shut down my initial <laughs> desire. But Triple H was right. The time wasn't right. It, it wouldn't have been what it is right now. Uh, and also, it needed a very important ingredient, an OG. Uh, an original LWO, and that's right. Absolutely. And, and so, uh, and so that that's why uh, Legato that came about, and and it was beautiful. Really, it it gave me the opportunity to do what everything I wanted to do. Who I am, where I come from, what I'm about, and that's what I did every single time I was out there. Every promo, every backstage, every scene, every feud, every rivalry was letting people know that I'm all about Lucha Libre, that Lucha Libre is about tradition, heritage, culture, familia. All the values that you have, whether you're Mexican, Latino, or not, are the values I have. We relate. And that's how Legado got over. That's how Santos got really over it on NXT because everything I say, it's real. Well, it's like you were saying in the beginning that there's so much of you in your character, and I do think that you definitely show that. I mean, with the masks that you would wear and an entrance or whatever, or just everything that you were doing, it was clearly paying homage to the past, showing that you care about the people that are with you, and showing that you're a part of the future. And I think that that's so important. And I think that, you know, for someone who's watched WWE TV for so long and, you know, being a Latino person myself, like, it's so cool to see that positive representation on TV. And, you know, people always talk about representation being important these days. 
And I think that a lot of times, and I'm not like a lot of times Mexican representation doesn't get or Latino representation doesn't get the same level of importance. I think that sometimes I, and, and sometimes uh, there is a big like lack of that, in, you know, in the MCU or whatever. And I think that when you have someone like you and, 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 you know, your group on TV that really puts it in a positive light, it, it, it's definitely something that I, as a viewer, uh, I'm really happy to see. Yeah, me too. And, and I think the time is right. Uh, right now is a Latino time. Uh, and just touching but the, that uh, thing about the MCU, I think I should have been the more. I'm just put, I'm just putting it out there. Put it out there. Let's do I it. Think, we'll make a clip on it. We'll put it out there. I think it should have been no more. But you know that's it. Uh, I think it's 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 our time, and I think it. You know, sometimes it takes certain magical reunions. Uh, sometimes it's just how the stars are aligned. But I think right now in the world, in different areas, uh, talk about business, talk about society, talk about politics. Uh, talk about a vote, talk about how people spend their money. Latinos are growing. Uh, having the LWO just now, I think, is a perfect timing for it to have this representation. Latinos in the USA, Latinos in Central and South America, Latinos around the world, they're happy because they have representation, proper representation. And uh, and we just feed off of that. We love that. That's a, All of us, we share that same uh set of values where we have to represent who we are where we come from and all the all the you know small stuff of our cultures like la chancla for example uh that's a revolution that what selena did when she had the chancla from her mom and she just went at it you know uh now the whole world knows what the chancla means and it's a very latino thing yes. it's something that up up to that point a lot of people didn't know what what this was about but you see tiktoks you see stuff on social media and you're like oh wow that's how latinos educate their kids <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah zelina was on the show before doing that and she was talking about how like how, how uh dom was just or that ria is like a male kyle or a female kyle uh, and that she kind of like taught Dom, you know, she brought her to her white person house. And then he was like, oh, yeah. this is what other people do. And she said on the show, I got to bust out a chancla for him sometime. And then when she did it, I was like, yeah, she did it. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and all the Latinos understood. And and they popped. We were in Puerto Rico. I mean, of all the places <laughs> in the world, the arena erupted. The roof came up uh, because it was something amongst it was a joke amongst friends but now the joke's out and now everyone knows what the chancla is all about and that's because of the lwo <laughs> you know you mentioned to ray mysterio and the ogs and when i was doing uh research for this outside of eddie guerrero and i think Ciclope, you've been in the ring with every member of the original lwo now i think that's pretty cool that you have that you know connection between you know the og one and the the current one and I have stories with all of them, which is even more, you know, it adds depth to it. Because if one OG accepts you, in this case, Ray, but then you have all the rest of them also, uh, you know, grant you their approval to carry on. Uh, bro, it, it's a, it can be better than this, you know, because that's all that's something I wanted to. Uh, some people say, oh, 
every time a Latino uh, starts growing, oh, he wants to be the next Eddie or he wants to be the next uh, Ray. Uh, the thing about this is I never wanted to be the next nothing. I just wanted to be the first me. But the me that I'm presenting you has all the qualities of the others because I'm all about this. And if there's something why you remember Eddie is because of this, because he loved Lucha Libre and he would always put it out there. Uh, I consider myself a very good luchador. I learned from the best. I consider my obligation to put it out there every time I perform. I represent my family, of course. I represent my bloodline, but I also represent every luchador out there because if you're watching santos escobar on tv you will like my match and you will think he lucha libre is cool and that's why i do what i do and that's why i do what i do the way i do it it almost you know we were talking about the superhero quality of lucha libre and i think that it kind of has that same vibe of like all the power of all these former, you know, legendary superheroes, luchadors now flows through you, you know, and it's very superhero like you can like feel that power from with all, you know, from all their power flowing through you. And I think it's a very superhero quality. And you know what makes me really, really happy and, and give, brings me a lot of satisfaction and happiness to my heart when I have conversations with legends like Kanek, for example or Blue Panther, uh, and they they congratulate me for what I'm doing. And they're happy because I'm representing who they are in a very good way. And, and that makes me really, really happy because it, it means I'm succeeding at what I'm trying to do. And, and, and I know that the championships will come, the premium live events will come, the main events will come, because that's just part of who I am. And, and I'm a talented performer, so that will come. But in the meantime, through the process, I will always put front and center tradition, heritage, culture, who I am and where I come from. Lastly here, because I'm running out of time, but I want to talk about it before you go. Uh, you mentioned Puerto Rico. How special was just that whole trip for you? It was wonderful. Hermoso, hermoso. La Isla del Encanto, Puerto Rico. Uh, I, I'd never been to Puerto Rico before, and there was uh, several occasions where I was this close to going, and then for whatever reason I couldn't. Uh, I'm really, really happy that finally I I got to I got to go to Puerto Rico, a premium live event, a SmackDown, a premium live event, and then having this representatives, you know, uh, Serena on one hand, Bad Bunny on the other one. Uh, the only thing I wish I, I would have had a match. Uh, I'm a performer and, and I always want to do that for my fans. Uh, but that's something we can circle back to because now we have an excuse to come back there or bring a premium live event to Mexico. I think that, yes, I understand wanting to have a match, but at least you got to be involved in that whole Bad Bunny thing because I think that oh. really like that match was just so cool. Like the way he... The way he wrestled in it, the you know the match that he and Damien had, but then on top of that, just all the run-ins were done so perfectly, and the crowd was just like eating out of the palm of their hands the whole time with Savio and just Carlito <laughs> and just all this stuff happening. It was literally like if you're Latino and you're watching this, you're like, oh my god, like it's like an overload of awesome, and it was just so cool to watch. 
Yeah, it was amazing, really. Uh, just being there, it was such a, a beautiful emotion. And all the things we did, we did interviews and we, we did activities with, with the kids from the island. Um, um, and just being involved with Savio and uh, Carlito and Bad Bunny. I mean, he's the biggest artist right now. Yeah. And we're in the ring with ba him. Yeah, bar like, none. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 surreal, isn't it? I mean, I was just discussing this with my mom yesterday at her new house. Uh, how magical these last four or five months have been in my life. Like, every wonderful thing, it's stopped by the very next one and so on. And, and I'm just so happy that we're all together enjoying this. And, and Puerto Rico was just like a cherry on top. And you still have so much more to come because this is just your start. You haven't even been on the main roster a year yet and all this stuff is happening. Yeah. So it's only the start. Um, you mentioned Bad Bunny. And yeah, I. it's not only is it impressive that he is the biggest you know music artist on the planet and he's doing this stuff. Um, but when you look at like what he did before, like he's doing Coachella a few weeks before, and then he's at the Met Gala, and then he's wrestling at Backlash. It's insane. He's hot. He's red hot. I mean, he's big. I'm telling you, like it's it's like I don't know being in the ring with Frank Sinatra back in the day. You know, like I don't know. He's he's everywhere, and we're right there with him. He's having a match. He won the match, and now we're celebrating with him. He's LWO, by the way. You know, like it's. I don't think Frank Sinatra would be good at selling, though. I'm just gonna say, I don't think he'd be good at selling. I'm just gonna say, uh, at least not as good as Bad Bunny is. That's for sure. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Is he is he a pretty down to earth guy when you guys just you know backstage? Oh yeah, beautiful person. Yes. Have you had a lot of interactions with him? Like, did you have a lot of interactions with him that weekend? Oh yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, uh, before the. For the matches, and then after the matches, we had a little celebration. He was really happy. We were all happy because, uh, I mean, when I'm performing, I'm fine because I'm, I'm doing the match. So I know everything's going to be all right. But in this case, none of us had the match. He had the match. So he was the one that had to deliver, and he delivered. So we were all really happy. Yeah, and then you uh, – I think it's cool you guys got those tattoos that weekend too. Yeah, right there. Right there, oh, on the right on the fist, dude. That's how you know it's like a Cody Rhodes neck one, where you're, you're. That's how that's how much you appreciate it, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a very important time in my life. Yes, it's not just for me; it's for also the OGs. This is for all of us. I love it. I love it so much, and I think that you know, really, the sky is the limit for you. I think that you've just just cracked the surface of what you what you're going to be doing on the WWE main roster. And I think that you're already connecting with audiences so much. And surprisingly, as a babyface, since you've been doing the heel thing for so long. So it's cool to see that people are are uh, attracted to you on the babyface side right now. Yeah. And also, I get to shave my beard, you know, because uh, I, <laughs> I made a mistake to ask Triple H uh, a few months ago uh, if I could shave my beard. And he, he was doing something. You know, He was always working on something. And he just looked at me. And said no, and he kept doing what he was doing. Uh, but now, being a babyface, I, I have the opportunity to present a more handsome Santos. I, 
I, I love I wish I wish people outside of the wrestling business understood the thought level that goes into it that much because I think that there are people who oh, yeah. never think that that much detail goes into every single presentation on TV down to not being able to trim your beard and I think that um, it really shows the dedication that that wrestlers put into their craft and also it's it's a it's a show right and you have to you have to understand there's a lot of people creating this show. My character is not just mine. Yes, it has a lot of me and, and, and it's a, a lot of input in, you know, the way I dress, the way I talk, the way I act. Sure, that's me. But it's not my show. So you have to ask. And and I remember I was walking before I asked a question to Triple H and Paul Heyman saw me and he was like, amigo, venga para acá. Uh, what are you doing? And I told him that I was thinking if I should ask or not. And he gave me the best advice someone ever gave me upon arriving to main roster. He said, if you have a question, go and ask Paul Levesque. Because if you don't ask him on whatever you're thinking is wrong, you're to blame. But if you're a true professional and you have a question, you go and ask him. Trust me, it's worse if you don't ask. And that just created a new reality in my head because it's true. You can't just go out there and, and you know, ad lib. Ask. There's latitude, of course, but those things and several other things, you got to ask. Paul Heyman, there's a reason they call him the wise man. He's always putting out those gems and, and a helpful guy. He's always helping people. It's cool to hear that even though he's not, you know, involved in the creative process, that he's still doing like things like that for people. He's incredible, incredible. Uh, I've always dressed sharply and nice, but when I arrived in WWE, Paul Heyman was the person that I I would always look up to. Tie, suit, shoes, everything, perfect. You know, that's uh, that's one of the things that I always thank him for, and and he always tells me that he likes the way I dress too. So his approval means a lot to me. I got to wrap it up here, but I love that because one of my first interviews of uh, when, while doing this show, I did with him. One of my, my first, I think it was my first in-person one for this show. I dressed, I had like a polo on or something. I dressed like kind of normal. And uh, I've seen the clips from that for, you know, for over a year now, you know, year and a half. And it always bothered me because he looked so good in his suit and I'm in a polo shirt. So then a few weeks ago, right before WrestleMania, I got to interview him again and I went, I'm not making that mistake again. I'm wearing a nice suit so that when we're sitting next to each other, I don't look out of place. And when, when he walked up, he goes like, you're in a suit. I guess you're the one out of character today. And I was like, I was like, like, yeah, all right. Well, that sounds like Paul Heyman. (laughs) All right. Well, we got to wrap it up here. I've run out of time, but Santos, I'm such a huge fan of yours. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. And uh, I have a bunch more stuff to talk about in the future. So I'm going to have you on again. You'll do two to make up for the fact that I took so long. I love it, mi hermano, mi querido hermano. Thank you so much for having me today, for granting me this opportunity to communicate with my Latinos out there and my WWE universe. To all my people, mi gente out there, just stay tuned. The LWO is for life. Yeah. Later, dude. <laughs> See you, bye-bye. <laughs>
All right, that was my conversation with Santos Escobar. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Super cool, dude. I can't believe that he used this show to help surprise his mom with a new house. I That's out of everything any guest has ever told me. That's the thing that makes me the most happy. I can't believe that we got to play a small part in such a cool moment in his life. Before we get out of here, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Make sure you follow at WWE on Fox on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We're on all of them. So make sure you check us out there and give us a follow. And if you're watching this on video, hello. I appreciate you checking out my pretty face. I think I did my hair now. We're good. We're looking good to be on camera today. But if you don't always have the opportunity to watch this on camera, make sure that you are subscribed to the Out of Character podcast feed. That's where you can listen to Out of Character every week. And you can listen to it wherever, on the go, in the car, working out, if that's what you do, uh, <laughs> washing the dishes, wherever. So make sure that you subscribe to the Out of Character podcast feed. And if you've enjoyed this show, if you're listening on the podcast feed, hook it up with a rating or a review. It helps us out so much. I read them. It makes me happy to see that the people are enjoying the content we put out. I have seen all your messages about the roundups. I'm going to be getting back to them soon. I just I don't I have my wedding coming up, so I I should probably wait till post wedding, uh, so that way I'm not taking another quick break right afterwards. But I will be back on the roundups shortly. I appreciate your guys' patience very much and your understanding. Also, if you're listening on the podcast feed, make sure that you go subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel as well. It's where you can find this show on video every Wednesday. You can find clips from the show and so much more clips from Raw and SmackDown and stuff in the community tab. If you're on YouTube, just what are you doing? Go subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been another episode of Out of Character.